You're listening to the Cyberwire Network, powered by N2K. The IT world used to be simpler. You only had to secure and manage environments that you controlled. Then came new technologies and new ways to work. Now, employees, apps, and networks are everywhere. This means poor visibility, security gaps, and added risk. That's why Cloudflare created the first-ever connectivity cloud. Visit cloudflare.com to protect your business everywhere you do business. Ukraine blames Russia as cyber attacks down systems at Kyiv airport. U.S. authorities urge heightened vigilance around critical infrastructure. Patriotic cyber rioting flares in Southeast Asia. ISIS supporters conduct the first known cyber attack against a Chinese target. Liability increasingly shapes corporate cybersecurity strategies, and the plaintiff's bar is shaping cyber insurance coverage. The crackers with attitude poke at the White House science advisor, and if you've got a job in a power plant, here's a word to the wise. Knock off the workplace selfies. I'm Dave Bittner in Baltimore with your CyberWire summary for Tuesday, January 19th, 2016. Ukraine suffers another wave of cyber attacks out of Russia. This past weekend's attacks took down systems at the Kyiv airport. Like the December power grid incidents, the airport hack was associated with black energy malware. Meanwhile, the U.S. Department of Homeland Security encourages U.S. utilities to shore up their security. And in the wake of the hacks in Ukraine, and amid reports of upward trends in attacks against industrial control systems, the Christian Science Monitor's passcode publishes some advice anyone who works in critical infrastructure might take to heart. Quote, no SCADA selfies, end quote. Too much information appears in the background, and why should you make the hacker's task easier, especially if your workplace is the kind of space where people display credentials and other critical data? Experts advise against letting the trappings of physical security lull you into a false sense of cybersecurity. Tensions between Russia and its neighbors continue to be attended by patriotic hacktivism, much of it state-inspired, if not state-directed. Ukrainian authorities regard recent incidents in their country as directed by Russia. Hacktivists elsewhere in the near abroad have pushed back at Russia, most recently from Azerbaijan, where hackers recently defaced the website of Russia's embassy in Israel in solidarity with Turkey. Turkey and Russia have been at loggerheads over intervention in Syria. ISIS sympathizers conduct what appears to be the group's first action against a Chinese target. The website of Tsinghua University was defaced with video and messages calling for jihad. The university confirms that the incident occurred, but has declined further comment. ISIS messaging showed signs of becoming shakier last week. Not only is rivalry with al-Qaeda for jihadi mindshare increasing, but also signs appear that sympathizers are losing patience with the mismatch between the caliphate's aspirational rule of justice and the realities on the ground and the territories it controls. From the police blotter, digital currency exchange Cripsy is looted of some six million U.S. dollars worth of Bitcoin. Hyatt releases results of its investigation into point-of-sale hacks, mostly in restaurants, that the chain experienced between August and December of last year. Payment card data, including cardholder name, card number, expiration date, and internal verification codes are said to be at risk. Many of the affected locations are reported to be in the Middle East and Africa. Security analysts in Australia note a surge in PayPal $0 invoice spam, interesting because it fails to trip any of the usual spam filters. 
More DDoS attacks appear, independently striking a large torrent service and a South Korean entertainment agency. The former attacks' motivation and attribution remain unclear. The latter looks like another instance of patriotic hacktivism, motivated in this case by the Korean agency's desire to downplay their K-pop singer's waving of Taiwan's flag at an event. The agency wishes to avoid offending its large Chinese market. Neither incident so far appears to be serving as misdirection for larger campaigns. Considerations of liability for cyber incidents continue to shape corporate security strategies. The precise nature of such liability remains in flux. The U.S. and the European Union continue to work toward a successor to the safe harbor regime. U.S. surveillance policy remains a sticking point for the Europeans. And the U.S. seems all but certain to overhaul its implementation of the Vossner Cyber Export Control Agreement. In the U.S., the Securities and Exchange Commission plans to tighten up enforcement of cyber regulations relevant to investor protection. The SEC says it intends to focus on prevention. The Food and Drug Administration proposes standards for the cyber safety and security of medical devices. Nor has the plaintiff's bar been idle in contributing to the development of cyber standards of care. Several noteworthy cases currently being litigated will affect the cyber insurance market as firms sue insurance carriers for failure to pay for damages sustained in what the hacked companies consider covered incidents. And Affinity Gaming, a casino operator, is suing cybersecurity provider Trustwave, alleging failure to contain the breach it was hired to remediate. In policy news, the French government decides against mandating crypto backdoors. The U.S. government continues to court Silicon Valley for a technical fix to the tension between security and privacy. Observers remain skeptical that such a fix exists. On Friday, the U.S. National Security Agency released its regular transparency report, as required by the U.S. Freedom Act. The full text of the report is available online at IC on the Record. And finally, Motherboard continues its ongoing contact with people claiming to be the crackers with attitude, pro-Palestinian and increasingly anti-Israeli hacktivists, who've doxed both U.S. Director of Central Intelligence John Brennan and Director of National Intelligence James Clapper. The Krakas claimed another virtual victim over the weekend, this one being White House Director of Science and Technology Policy John Holdren. The declared motive remains the same, and the self-proclaimed Krakas remain at large. And now, a word from our sponsor, Zscaler, the leader in cloud security. Cyber attackers are using AI in creative ways to compromise users and breach organizations. In a security landscape where you must fight AI with AI, the best AI protection comes from having the best data. Zscaler has extended its zero-trust architecture with powerful AI engines that are trained and tuned by 500 trillion daily signals. Learn more about Zscaler Zero Trust plus AI to prevent ransomware and AI attacks. Experience your world secured. Visit zscaler.com slash zero trust AI. Are lengthy security reviews pulling attention away from your security program? With the largest network of trust centers, Vanta can help you streamline security reviews to win customer trust, save time, and close deals fast. Proactively demonstrate security by showcasing key resources like your SOC 2 or ISO 27001 and provide real-time evidence for passing controls. And when a security questionnaire is required, 
Vanta takes the first pass for you. Visit vanta.com slash cyber to take a self-serve tour. That's vanta.com slash cyber. Joining me is Joe Kerrigan. He's a senior security engineer at the Johns Hopkins Information Security Institute. They're one of our academic and research partners. Joe, let's talk about DDoS attacks. Let's start off. Just give us an idea. What is a DDoS attack? A DDoS attack is a distributed denial of service attack. That's what DDoS stands for. It's where a group of computers that are on the internet uh, are infected with some some kind of malware or some kind of bot and there is a command and control server that, that tells those bots what to do. That command and control server can target a single entity on the Internet with a, a bunch of requests from the botnet. And that botnet can be huge, can be thousands of computers. So if you imagine uh, one web server trying to respond to thousands of computers at a time or even millions of computers at a time, that web server can't handle the load. Uh, and thus, people who actually need to access the web server cannot get to the web server, so therefore they are denied the service. So DDoS stands for Distributed Denial of Service, but my understanding is that originally the it was not a distributed attack. Is that correct? Early on, that's right. When when bandwidth wasn't as big as it is now, I mean, bandwidth is cheap right now. You can I, I have 75 megabits at my house, but mm-hmm. back when companies paid huge huge amounts of money for like an ISDN line to run a web server on, it, it wouldn't take much to flood that. You didn't need to distribute the attack. You could do mm. it with one attacker. So why would someone launch uh, a DDoS attack against someone? Uh, there's lots of reasons. First off, the you know just the, the fact that you can do it, that leads a lot of people to be able to do it. Then there's always the political reason or the financial motivation. So uh, I'm, I'm shutting someone down. Is there any danger of doing real damage, or is this more of just a nuisance? Uh, it depends on, on the attack. Generally, you're not trying to gain access to their system, so you're not talking about real damage in terms of leaking data or doing damage to a company's reputation, aside from the fact that you're making their services unavailable to people who legitimately need them. For example, if I have an e-commerce site and that starts getting hit with a denial of service attack, then my customers can't actually purchase things from me, and that becomes more more than a nuisance. All right, Joe Kerrigan from Johns Hopkins uh, University Information Security Institute. Thanks for joining us. Struggling to secure on-prem apps with modern identity? Don't worry, you're not alone. Join industry leaders from Fortune 500 organizations to secure your apps on any cloud with any IDP, regardless of your environment's complexity. Meet Strata's identity orchestration platform, Mavericks. Say goodbye to the headaches of app refactoring and legacy tech debt. With identity orchestration, you can modernize legacy apps to use MFA or passwordless authentication in a few weeks, migrate from one IDP to another, and so much more without changing the app. No matter your IAM use case, Strata extends the value of your current identity investments. And the best part? You can try it for free today. Visit strata.io slash cyberwire to share your biggest identity challenge. And they'll hook you up with a complimentary pair of AirPods Pro. Don't miss out. Visit strata.io slash cyberwire. That's strata.io slash cyberwire.
And that's the Cyberwire. We are proudly produced in Maryland by our talented team of editors and producers. I'm Dave Bittner. Thanks for listening. Hey all, Rick here. At N2K Cyberwire, we're dedicated to continuously improving the quality of the news and commentary on our network. That's why we're inviting you to participate in our 2024 audience survey. It only takes a few minutes and your feedback is invaluable. Plus, you'll have the chance to win a $100 Amazon gift card as a thank you for your time. Head on over to cyberwire.com survey. That's cyberwire.com survey to share your feedback now.